before the Lord and thank him for what he's doing. Thank him for what he's yet to do today. And so, Father, we thank you today for who you are. And Lord, we thank you that we're here in your house and that we've come to this place to worship. And Father, we thank you for the freedom and the liberty that you have given to us to be able to do that. And so, Father, this morning we come boldly before your throne of grace. We know that you are the all-sufficient God, the God who is able to meet our needs above and beyond our highest expectations. And so, Lord, we bring these things to you today. We pray your healing touch over Shirley and over Jerry this morning. Lord, you are the great physician, and it is by your stripes that we are healed. And so this morning, Father, we speak strength, we speak life, we speak health into their bodies in Jesus' name, that, Lord, you would restore their strength, that you would put a hedge of protection about them today in Jesus' name and restore their health, we ask, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for all of the needs that are represented here today. We thank you that you know the details of each and every one better than we do. And so, God, we lay them at your feet. We put them into your hands. We trust you with the process of how it's all going to work out. But we give it to you today because we trust in who you are. We trust that you're the God who is faithful to fulfill his promise to us. We rest in you this morning. We ask in Jesus' name and God's people said amen. amen. And amen. Well, this morning I'm going to talk to you from the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 14. And I'm not quite sure where our little one went, but it's disappeared somewhere this morning. So it's going to be a scavenger hunt getting ready for power kids. But we're going to be looking at the book of Numbers chapter 14 today. And I had the opportunity last Sunday evening uh, to preach at Fairview Chapel. It was a beautiful historic chapel if you've ever been there by candlelight. Such an intimate worship service that we had. And it was it's just beautiful seeing there was a, a pump organ there and just worshiping by candlelight and so I spoke from Numbers chapter 14 and we're going to kind of camp out there again this morning Numbers chapter 14 verses 20 through 25 if you have your Bibles you can follow along or follow on the screen I'm reading from the New American Standard this morning Numbers chapter 14 beginning at verse 20 it says so the Lord said I have pardoned them according to your word, but indeed, as I live, the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful promise? Surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs, which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not listened to my voice shall by no means see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who spurned me see it. Take a look at verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he has had a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land which he entered, and his descendants shall take possession of it. Notice, not only was he going to go there, but his descendants, his generations to follow him, were going to take possession of it. They were going to take ownership of it. Of it. And so this morning we've looked at this passage before, but we're going to camp out here today because there's something I think we need to understand. And we talked a little bit about it in our Bible study on Thursday night. I want to look this morning at a different kind of spirit. If you read through the book of Daniel chapter 5, we know that Daniel had an excellent spirit. Everything that he did was done with the spirit of 
excellence. That's something that we should strive for. If you look in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 4, Scripture tells us that a gentle and quiet spirit is precious in the sight of God. Now we know the Holy Spirit who indwells us as believers and followers of Jesus, but how many of you know that there are other spirits out there, right? There are other spirits that we have to encounter along this Christian journey that we face that aren't so pleasant. And some of the people that you encounter in life, they just have a spirit that's just magnetic, right? It just kind of draws you to them. And then there are other people with walking with spirits like, Lord, just keep me away because this is not a spirit that I want to be around, that I want to affix myself to it or associate with it. And so the book of Numbers tells us that Caleb had a spirit, but it was a different Spirit. What was so different about the spirit of Caleb? Well, we're going to look at four keys today that are going to show us how we can have a different spirit. And the first thing that we can do is to have a winning attitude. You ever been around somebody who's just positive all the time? I mean, it does not matter. I, I, I love being around those people. It doesn't matter what it is. They find something good in it. You know, it's pouring rain. The world's turned upside down. They're, isn't it a beautiful day? And you're like, Lord, I'm Look on what they saw. 
And rather than focusing on the negative, he focused on the positive of what lie ahead of him. And he was willing and ready to fight for it because he knew that his God was going to go before him. He knew that God was going to go ahead of him. How many of you know that our attitude makes all the difference in the world? Doesn't it? Regardless of what it is that you're facing. If you look at your day and you say, oh, this is a terrible day. Why did I have to wake up this morning? Why did I have to do You're probably going to have a terrible day because that's the attitude that you go into it, facing it with. But if you wake up with that positive, winning attitude, it makes a difference. How we respond to things makes all the difference in the world. And so Caleb had been found in the same situation, in the same circumstance as everyone else around him. He was born in Egypt as a slave. He saw miracles that God had used to free him and his people from the hands of Pharaoh. He watched the hands of God part the Red Sea and walked with his people on dry ground as they crossed it. He experienced the hand of God providing direction and food in the wilderness. So why was his outlook so much different than that of the rest of the Israelites? Well, Scripture tells us he had a different spirit. He had a different spirit. Thursday night in our Bible study, we talked about David and how David heard all of the same taunts that all of the other Israelites heard, but he approached the giant with a far different attitude than they did. He approached the situation with confidence because he had a winning attitude. We can overcome this. We can get past this. If you look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 36 and 37, David is standing there before the army of Israel to defeat Goliath. And he said, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defeated the armies of the living God. And he goes on to say that the Lord who rescued me from the hand of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue yeah. me yeah. from the hand of this Philistine. He doesn't wander up there with his knees shaking and say, well, I don't know. God helped me before. Maybe he's going to do it again. He said, the God who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will Amen. help me defeat you. He yeah. said, this day. Now that was some confidence. Today, God's going to help me defeat you. David had a winning attitude. And you can almost hear the confidence that was in his voice as he spoke. David was anointed before he ever went into battle. Scripture tells us that as Samuel poured that horn of oil over David and anointed him to be the next king of Israel, that the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him from that day forward. Now, David didn't become king for several years after this, but it was then when the anointing was poured out over his life that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him powerfully from that day forward. Because you see, having a different spirit means that you walk in the anointing of the Spirit of God, and your life bears the fruit of His Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We all can work on some of those, can't we? I get myself. But when you walk with a different spirit, you live with that indwelling and anointing of the presence of God in your life, and your life bears fruit, the fruit of the spirit. And so the courage that both Caleb and David walked in grew out of the confidence that they had in who their God was. 
wasn't anything that they were able to muster up on their own. They depended on their God to come through for them. They had confidence in who he was. There's an old chorus I was thinking of this morning. We used to sing it in Bible college, probably before we had tests or something. And it said uh, that we're able to go up and take the country and possess the land from Jordan to the sea. Though the giants may be there, our way to hinder, God will surely bring the victory. This is what Caleb was saying. There's giants there, yes, but we've seen the promise. And they're not going to keep us from obtaining it. Our God will help us overcome. Our God will help us conquer what is there. And yet the very ones who observed all that Caleb did proceeded to say, Moses, we look like grasshoppers. They saw the land promise. They stepped foot on the very ground that God had promised to their ancestors. It was reality for them. They could taste it. They could feel it. But they said, Moses, it's too much work. What if we can't conquer them? What if we can't get past this? We're so puny. We're so small. But we make the same excuses ourselves, don't we? God, I'm nobody. How can I do this? What, what are you asking me to do? We say that about our church, don't we? We're too small. One of our presbyters said to me a couple of weeks ago, the work that Victory is producing, you would think that there are a thousand members in that church. Yeah. I kid yeah. you not. Do not despise the days of small beginnings. Yeah. Is it work? Yes. Yeah. Is it difficult? Yeah. Yes. Are you going to get tired and weary? Yes, because we're human. Scripture says even the youths grow tired and weary. So if the youths are going to get tired and weary, friends, we're all going to get tired and weary. But they that wait on the Lord, their strength. And I just want to camp out here for a minute because I know that you're tired. Because I'm tired. And it's easy to get discouraged, isn't it? It's easy for us to get discouraged because we don't see the immediate results of labor. And it seems daunting to take on new tasks and new challenges and embrace change. But friends, we have to rest in what our God has promised to us. He will bring it to pass. I've seen the vision of what he's shown in the past five years of this house coming to fruition and outside of the favor of God. It's blood and sweat and tears that have brought us to this place. But friends, if he's brought us this far, he's not going to take his hands off and give us. He's going to carry us the rest of the way. There will be giants along the way. You better believe it. But if I've come to realize anything in my life, it's this. The bigger the giant, the greater the victory. Amen. The bigger the giant, the greater the promise. The resistance and pushback that comes straight from the pit of hell, it will either make you or break you, but you have a choice. We can press on, we can overcome, we can take this land, or we can stand back and say, well, I'm just a grasshopper. I, I can't do anything here. How close they were to the promise. But they said it's too hard. And for 40 years, they wandered with nothing. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do today? Are you going to press on? 
or you're going to wander 40 more years. And that's the opposite. You have a choice. Moses obeyed God, and he sent the spies for Caleb and Joshua, were the only two, think about this, 12 spies, and only two were confident and come back and say, we can do this. Everybody else complains because they say, Moses, this, it's too much work. It's too difficult. We need to find a new leader. We need to find somebody else that's going to lead us in the right direction because you're asking us to do too much. It is just too hard. This is the mindset of the 10 that come back from the promised land. In our study on Thursday, we read that remaining quiet may limit our exposure to criticism, but it can be the coward's way out. There are times when we can't let opposition stop us. We simply have to stand up and represent God in our communities because, friends, it is a fight. It is a fight, and you have a choice. You can stand up or you can stand back. The choice is yours. Are you going to overcome and inherit the promise, or are you going to wander in the wilderness? It is a daily fight to say, Lord, we're not giving up. We're going to hold on to the promise that you've given us. We are able to go in and take possession of the land because we know what it is that you promised us. You're going to bring it to pass, and so we're going to face those giants with confidence because we know who goes before us. So Caleb said, I know, I know that the giants are huge, but our God's going before us. Yes. He had a winning attitude. Yeah. Not only did he have a winning attitude, he had a heart of faith. He had a heart of faith to lead him forward. In Numbers chapter 14 and verse 2, we see that the people really weren't spiritually delivered because they were only seen with carnal eyes. They were only seen with eyes of the flesh and not eyes of the spirit. They were blinded to the reality of what lay ahead of them. They actually longed to be back in slavery and oppression in Egypt. Moses would have been better off to let us die there. Why'd you drag us all the way out here? It's not worth it. This was their attitude. But how many of us have done the same thing? Unsure of what lies ahead of us and too timid to step out in faith and do what it was that God's called us to do. We say, well, life was better just the way it was. Why did we have to mess with it? Why faith was, was not broken, right? Isn't that the same? Why, why do we have to leave? Why do we have to change? If only we had died in Egypt. What happens is we allow doubt to cloud our minds and we choose not to step out with a heart of faith and believe that God really is going to do what he's promised us. If you go to Numbers 14, verses 8 and 9, Scripture tells us, do not rebel against the Lord. It says those people, those giants, they're helpless to us. They have no protection, but the Lord's with us, yes. so he's going to bring us into the land. Yes. We're coming up against some giants that in our own strength we can't conquer, but they don't have protection like we do. We've got the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of us going before us and fighting for us so that we can overcome. He's going to bring us into the land is what Caleb is saying. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, Scripture says that whatever is born of God overcomes the world. How many of you are born of God this morning? You overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. What? Our faith. Our faith is what overcomes the world. And because the people didn't agree with Caleb and Joshua, they went on 
just need to stone these guys. Amen. We just need to get rid of them. We don't like what they're saying. Just get them out of here. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes as your pastor, it feels like in spite of all that God has done for us in this place, the only thing being hurled is stones. I'm, I'm being real this morning. That's what it feels like. Why did we do this? Why did we change this? I don't understand. This doesn't make sense. This is too loud. This is too bright. We can't do this. We can't do that. I'm just being honest with you this morning. I'm being real with you. Let me tell you something. This is God's house. Amen. It's God's house. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's his mission. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's his kingdom. Not mine. It's his ministry. It's not mine. Because when you get to heaven, you're not going to be saying, Jesus, those angels are singing a little too loud. Can you turn them down? Those streets are a little too bright for me, Jesus. Can you dull them down a little bit? Yet we come into his house and we do the same thing. You come into the house of worship, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And if your focus is on anything else, then shut your heart's in the wrong place. It stops now. The gossip stops now. The criticizing stops now. The negative spirit, it stops now. A church will not grow with a critical spirit. It will not grow with negativity. It will not grow with gossip. So take a look at the empty seats around you this morning. Do you want to enter the promised land? Yes. Or do you want to wander for 40 more years? Because you said we're not going to touch it. We're not going there. This is where you're at. God's saying, look, I'm showing you what it could be. You're going to embrace the promise, even though there's giants, even though it's difficult, even though there's barriers in your way, or you're going to back up and say, I'm just a grasshopper. I'm fine with the way things are. If that's your mindset, then that's your vision. Your doors are going to close, your seats are going to remain empty, and you have nothing. You have a choice. You have a choice. Get on board or walk away. That's your choice. God's shown us his favor. He's shown us his promise. We can be a part of his house. We can be a part of his work. We can be a part of his ministry. We can be a part of his kingdom. But we have a choice. Lord, I renounce every sin, every wicked thought, every wicked way in my heart. Focus my eyes on the bigger picture. No, maybe the chair is not my favorite thing in the sanctuary, but God, the soul that comes and yes, gets saved yes, because they sinned. That's, that's what's important. Yes. God, realign my focus. Help me to realize what matters and what's important. Caleb and Joshua realized the difficulty of the battle that they were about to face, but it didn't stop them. They could have stopped and complained and criticized, but instead they were confident. They had a winning attitude. And they had a heart of faith. They had a different spirit. And they trusted Moses as their leader to do what it was that God was telling him to do, even though they didn't understand it. We have a choice. Not only did they have a winning attitude, a heart of faith, and an awareness, they, they had an awareness of God's presence. And so in Numbers chapter 14, verse 9, they said, the Lord is with us. He's with us. His presence is with us, friends, now more than ever before. The presence of God is with us. On the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God was poured out over the church, it was to do what? To equip us to be witnesses, to go 
that because God was with them, they could consider their enemies already defeated. We see in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 30, Scripture tells us that the Lord your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you. Look at somebody around you and say, He will fight for you. Just as you saw him do that. And you saw how the Lord your God cared for you all along the way as you traveled through the wilderness, just as a father cares for his child. And now he has brought you to this place. And now he has brought you to this place. You have a choice. Are you going to move forward? Yes. Or are you going to sit back? You have a choice. Caleb was aware of the presence of God going before him. He hadn't forgotten that pillar of fire and the cloud of smoke. Again, on Thursday, we, we read about how if we're faithful to the Lord, that we'll be amazed at the strength and the power that he gives us to fight even the strongest enemies. It's not in our power. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. We don't do it on our own. The Lord says it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit. What spirit are you walking in today? As David stood before Goliath, he recounted the God that helped him slay the lion and the bear. And he said, this same God, this same God, the same God that David spoke of as he stood before Goliath is the same God that stands in front of you today. It's the same God who went before and parted the Red Sea for the Israelites and delivered the Hebrews from the hand of Pharaoh. He has not changed. He is forever the same. And I would encourage you today to trust not in the giant that's in front of you, but to trust in the God who stands the same yesterday, today, and forever because he will help you defeat those Philistines in your life. Don't focus on the size of the stones that you have in your hand or the size of the giant that stands before you. Focus on the God who goes before you. David said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord who is the maker of heaven and earth. The God who makes us more than conquerors. The God who has made us victorious because church listen you're going to face some giants more than many other people in your life who are not Christians you're going to face some giants there's no question about it but how you face them makes all the difference in the world the apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 that we have to put on the whole armor of God so that what we can withstand the wiles of the devil that means we walk in the confidence of his spirit and in the confidence of what scripture makes us aware of if you remember in the Old Testament when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt and the Lord sent Moses back to Egypt because he had run away the Lord sends him back to Egypt he says Moses you're going to be my mouthpiece you're going to go talk to Pharaoh and you're going to set my people free and what's Moses' response just a grasshopper Lord I can't talk well But what we read in the New Testament is that Moses was educated just like all of the other Egyptians. He had one of the best educations you ever could have received. But he said, Moses, Lord, Lord, I'm not qualified. I can't do this. So he goes back to Egypt and he talks to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's heart is so hardened. And so the Lord sends plagues along. Says, Pharaoh, let my people go. Let my people go. And all the while, Pharaoh's heart remains hardened. Until one plague comes along. And before this plague hits, the Lord gives Moses some very specific instructions. 
go out and you paint the doorposts of all of your houses with the blood of a spotless lamb. And when that angel of death passes over, it's going to pass right over you. Because the blood is going to protect you. Friends, when Jesus walked here on this earth, John the Baptist went before him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who what? He takes away the sins of the world. And when his blood was poured out on Calvary's cross, he covered you and I. His blood is the banner that goes yes. before us and makes us victorious. And so friends, what ends up happening is as I start marching and I start walking into that territory that the Lord has promised, there are giants there to keep me from possessing the land. I can't cower away. I can't back away from them. I have to confront them because God said, you're going to take this country. You're going to take this land. And in order to possess it, I've got to face my giants. But I can't face my giants if I'm not walking in the power and the anointing of the Spirit of God. I've got to pick up the banner, the bloodstained banner of the cross that goes before me. And as I approach my giants, I have to remember that regardless of the giants ahead of me, the blood has covered me. Regardless of the giants that are behind me, the blood has me covered. Regardless of the giants that surround me on every side, I'm covered by the bloodstained banner of the cross. We have confidence to move forward. We cannot cower in fear. And if that doesn't give you confidence, I don't know We have confidence because of the cross of Jesus. Because you know what? If there's one thing that the devil doesn't like, it's the blood of Jesus. It is the blood of Jesus. He doesn't like the blood, and he doesn't like the name. But there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus. Because there is life in the blood. Very physically, none of us would be alive today if it weren't for blood. There is life-giving power in the blood of Jesus. And I want to encourage you this morning that regardless of what city it is that you're about to take in your life, in your home, in your family, regardless of what it is that you're facing, the giants that you're about to defeat, God has already gone before you. He has already made you victorious. He has already given you the victory that you need. You can't see the fire. You can't see the clouds. But he's already gone before you. You're covered. You're covered by the blood. You just got to have confidence to walk in it. And so because Caleb had a different spirit, because he was able to sense the presence of the of, of, the, of almighty God, he was able to inherit that promise. He was able to enter into that promised land. And so for keys, for us to have a different spirit, we have to have a winning attitude. We have a heart of faith. We have an awareness of the presence of God. And fourthly, we have a willingness to serve. If you look in verse, uh, in your text this morning, you will see that Caleb was called the servant of the Lord. The Lord looked at him and said, Caleb, my servant. Now, there were 12 others who had gone into this land, but the Lord looks at Caleb and he calls him his servant because he had a different spirit. We see that word in Genesis 1 and verse 2, the earth was without form and void, darkness was upon the face of the deep, and it was the spirit of God that moved upon the face of the waters. The spirit that Caleb walked in was the spirit of God that were different 
in the King James Version, it says another. Caleb had another spirit. And that word, the, the idea in the Hebrew is to put yourself second to follow whoever it is that's first. And so in our case, we would say, Lord, I'm going to step back and I'm going to let you go on ahead of me. I'm going to let you go ahead and fight the giants and I'll just stay back here behind you. I'm going to follow who it is that's first in my life. Caleb knew that in order to enter into all that God had promised him, he had to take the back seat and he had to learn how to follow. He had to learn how to listen to the voice of the Spirit of God. The Lord chose those who knew how to follow. Martin Luther once said that God made the world from nothing, and as long as we are nothing, he can do something with us or through us. We just have to remain that clay in his hands. We just have to remain that vessel that he can mold and shape and use for his glory. If there's a different spirit in our life, then our service to the Lord is going to look a little different, isn't it? Our service is going to look a little different. God was looking for willing vessels. He wanted leaders who were going to step back and allow him to lead. I want to read just briefly this morning in Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 through 10. Scripture says, remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea. Now, this is Caleb speaking. Many years after they've already encountered these giants and now they've wandered in the wilderness. Remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report, but my brothers who went with me were frightened. The people, they, they frightened all the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly follow the Lord my God. Isn't that something that you want to have said about me when you're gone? Yeah. I wholeheartedly follow the Lord my God. It was difficult, but I wholeheartedly follow the Lord my God. So that day, Moses solemnly promised me the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly follow the Lord your God. Verse 10 says, Now as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well, as he promised for all these 40 years since Moses made me this promise, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Today, I'm 85 years old. 85 years old. That's a long time to wait for the promise of the Lord, isn't it? Yes. Long time. 45 years. He waits. He waits. He waits. He's seen it. He's seen the giants, but he has confidence. And he waits, and he waits, and he waits, and now it's at his fingertips. He said, I'm as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. How many of you, when you're 85, are going to say, hey, I still got the strength I had when I was 40. I, I still got the confidence I had when I was 40 because there's a different spirit living in me. There's a different confidence that I have. I can still fight those giants as well as I could then because my God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he said he could still do all that he could. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land. Just as the Lord said. Yeah. 
At 85 years old, I think he was probably just a little more confident than he was when he was for you. Because he had seen the giants. He probably encountered some more as he wandered around through his life. Maybe looked a little different, maybe sounded a little different. But now he had a little more confidence. And he said, I can still fight him. I can still take him. I'm going to take what it is that the Lord has promised me that we were going to inherit. He had that winning, conquering attitude, a heart of faith, and an awareness of the presence of God. And he was 85 before he walked into his promise, but he inherited it because he had different spirits. A different spirit gives you the staying power to live victoriously, even in the waiting even in the ups and downs and difficult storms of life, if you walk and live your life with a different spirit. Of all the Israelites that were remaining, only two of that earlier generation entered in the promise. Think about that. Only two. Think about all the Israelites that walked out of Egypt, walked out of bondage, walked out of slavery, to enter the promise. They could have all inherited it. They would have just gone and tackled the giants. But they won. It's too hard. It's too difficult. They're too big. Only two had the courage and the confidence to move forward. When you seek the face of the Lord on a daily, routine basis, Start sensing his presence in every area, in every aspect of your life. And it gives you the confidence that you need to move forward and conquer those giants. I've shared this story with you before, but there was a, a little boy who was in his house one night and caught fire. And the only way that he could get out was to climb through the window and on top of his roof. And so he gets up to the top of the roof and he looks down, but he can't see anything. There's just so much smoke that's billowed up from, from the house burning. And so he stands at the top and he hears this voice crying out to him, saying, son, just jump down, I've got you. And he hears the voice and he's turning and he's looking everywhere, but there's smoke rising higher and higher. And his dad said, come on, just jump, I'll catch you. The little boy's looking all around. Dad, I can't, I can't see you anywhere. And his dad said, just jump. You can't see me, but I can see you. Yes. And that's all. And that's yes. just jump. And God would say to you this morning, just jump. Just step out. Just march forward in confidence, knowing that he has already gone before you to conquer whatever it is that's going to try to stand in your way and keep you from inheriting that promise. Just jump. Twelve spied out the land, but two had a different spirit that made the promise a reality. And so maybe this morning you're, you're walking alongside just as Caleb did with the Hebrews and with the Israelites and you've seen the miraculous hand of God throughout your life time after time again and again and again but you're staring at the giants that have come to face you yet again and you're saying Lord I can't move forward I can't do this they're standing they're blocking the promise that you that you told me you were going to inherit I can't move through this you say God I just feel like a grasshopper what can I do how can I overcome this 
You have to pick up that banner. And you have to move forward in victory. Move forward in confidence that God's already gone. He's already made a way. Scripture said, He makes streams in the desert. But friends, it's blood that gives you the confidence to move. It's the blood that covers you and protects you. As you make that jump, as you take that leap, when you can't see, when you can't feel, you just trust that he's there and you step out blindly. Lord, you gotta lead. You gotta take us. You gotta do something. I'm just gonna trust because I'm hearing your voice and I'm just gonna follow. That's what he wants us to do. Just like a child follows their parents and trusts, they're gonna do what's best for them. We gotta say, Lord, just take my hand. Lead me, guide me, direct me where it is that you want me to go. Because with his strength, with his spirit, we will overcome. You will overcome. Victory Christian Center will overcome. I don't care what giants you think may stand in your way today. We will overcome. Because God has gone before us time and time and time again. We just have to trust we just have to trust the process. Would you stand with us this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed? Maybe this morning you're here. Maybe you, you're watching online. And today you say, Lord, I need that blood to cover my life. I need to put my trust and my faith and my hope in you this morning because I've been wandering through this desert all by myself. And I need some help. So this morning, we just invite you to say, Lord, would you come into my life? Forgive me of my sins. Make me new. I believe that you died on Calvary's cross. I believe that three days later, you rose from the grave to give me life, overflowing and abundant. So would you forgive me today? Would you take control of my life? Would you lead and guide and direct me in Jesus' name, I ask? God welcomes you with open arms into his family and the angels rejoice over your salvation. Would you make today the day of your salvation? But maybe you're here today and you're feeling kind of like some of the Israelites. It's been a long journey. It's been a long 40 years. Lord, where's the promise? Where's the results of what we've worked for and what we've pressed on towards? God, we're just, we're not seeing it. All we can see are the giants. They're just too big. Maybe this morning you just want to slip up your hand and say, Lord, I need some confidence. I need to trust. You've already slayed the giants in my way. I just gotta take a step of faith. Wherever you are this morning, just slip up your hand. Lord, I need some strength. I can't keep going on this journey. I need you to renew my strength. Lord, seize your hands. He knows your weariness. He knows when you're tired. He knows when you're restless. He knows when you feel so puny compared to what it is that you're facing. But he would say to you that his grace is all sufficient. So Lord, we trust you today. We trust you, Lord, with every giant 
that has reared its ugly head in our path. We speak to those giants in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. And we say, be gone. Be gone. There's no room for you. There's no room for you here. We move forward in the power and the anointing and the blood of Jesus Christ. And we will take possession of the land that you have placed before us. We will not back down. We will not be overcome. We will not be belittled. We will stand confident and bold in the spirit of Almighty God to possess all that he has promised we will inherit, not just for ourselves, but for generation after generation after generation. Lord, we want to see your promise fulfilled in this house. We want to see your promise fulfilled to our family. To our children and to our children's children. Lord, would you bring it to pass? Would you give us the strength to take the land that you place before us? God, we trust you today. We trust in all that you are. And Lord, we trust in all that you have yet to do. We give you praise today. Would you give us boldness? Would you give us confidence today? In Jesus' name. And God's people said amen. Have a great